morning, Liverpool One Church. That has got to be the best welcome ever. My goodness. Hey, I just want to, I want to start out and just honor uh, the leaders of this house. You guys have it so good. Uh, we've been to churches all over the world, and it is so rare to have leaders like yours. And so Luke and Emma, thank you for all that you do. I know you guys know how blessed you are, but yeah, give it up for these guys. Absolutely. And Joe Ash, Isaac, Solomon. You know what's cool is Noel and I have talked. They're boys. Uh, we have two little boys. I'll introduce them in a second. But we pray that our boys are like them. They love church. They love their family. You guys have done such an incredible job. And so we want to be like you when we grow up. <laughs> we love you. I want to introduce my family. Uh, my wife is on the front row here, but we're going to have a picture as well. My wife, Noelle. Uh, and then this is our youngest son, Ezra, here. And then this is our oldest son, London, as well. And they are in the kids' area, loving their life, having so much fun. Um, you know what's cool is we love Liverpool. Here's, here's a fun fact about our oldest son. We actually just did almost, they're adopted. Some of you are wondering. No. <laughs> okay. We did some DNA testing, right? So they have something called 23andMe in the States. I don't know if it's here, but anyways, we did the DNA test. And part of his heritage is from Liverpool. Come on, somebody. So our hearts are here. We love it. We also uh, follow the Reds. We are big LFC fans, thanks to Luke and Emma. Um, but my wife, she's like another level. How many of you guys know the fan that you're like, wow, you really like, wow, you really like, that's, that's my wife. Like, I will wake up in the middle of the night to her nudging me going, seriously, Firmino hurt his toe. I don't know if he's going to be able to play in the next game. I don't know. Did you know Real Madrid's looking at Sadio Mane? I don't know what that, because she talks just like that. <laughs> I don't know what that, but she loves Liverpool. Uh, our family loves Liverpool. You know, it was what, about seven years ago that we took a trip with our church and we came here when you guys uh, were in the, I think it was Hope University Theater, and we worked together and to see what God is doing in and through your church is something special. Um, and we fast forward seven years later, what's wild is we were actually out at the docks and we were doing a prayer walk. And I don't even know if I've told you guys this, but it was out there at the docks that God put on my heart, a heart for Europe. It was in that spot, and we walked there yesterday, and we just walked through the area, and we were like, man, God is so good. And to bring it full circle, now we live in Europe. We're based out of Brussels, Belgium. We lived in France for about a year. Now we live in Brussels. We work with Convoy of Hope. And uh, our heart is to partner with local churches, to see them reach their community uh, physically, spiritually, and socially. And so to see and partner with a church that's doing incredible things like you guys are already doing is something special. But you know, about a year ago, Luke and I had a conversation on the phone, and we talked about what if we partnered together to do a community event? What if we came in and, and, and partnered together to get a lot of volunteers from your church and reach the community in a special way. So what we're doing, Luke mentioned this earlier, but on, on October 12th, a lot of what ifs that we had over the phone are becoming a reality. On October 12th, we're gonna have a community event. Come on now, that's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have a community event. It's gonna be at Newsham Park. 
I totally got the name wrong of that park the other night. Uh, Friday night, we had a leaders meeting for this event. But we're going to come together and we're going to just share kindness in the community, something that you guys know a lot about. Kindness is the language that the blind can see and the deaf can hear. Man, kindness is coming in, and and kindness brings people to repentance. It's the kindness of Jesus that when we go out and when we lead with kindness, it truly changes lives. And so we're going to do an event that basically just shows people kindness. You know, the World Bank did some research a few years back, and they did a study with the middle class and upper class, and they said, what is your definition of poverty? And they began to name things that were, that were things. They said a lack of money, food, shelter. That would be a definition of poverty. And then they asked the impoverished population, what is your definition of poverty? And they said things that were all psychological. It was all mental things. It was inadequacy, hopelessness, loneliness. I just can't seem to take a step forward. And so in an event that we're doing, What we're doing is coming in and saying, man, there's this big wall, there's this big gap that's there. We want to do things like give free haircuts, a free lunch, family portraits that little by little just begins to break down at that wall that's that's in people's minds that they think I just can't get a step forward. And so October 12th, we are doing it and we need you guys and I know that you'll be on board and I just want to give a big shout out to John and Joe Collins. Let me say... We could not do this event without you, so thank you so much. The first meeting that we had, John had a huge manual in his hand with every single stat that's ever been in creation about Liverpool, and I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, this couple is on it, so thank you guys for being a part of that. We're super, super excited. You know, there's a few stories in the Bible that I want to resonate as the theme this morning. As we're in the series, Welcome Home. Many of you will be familiar with the first stories where Jesus is, it's, it's throughout the Gospels, but it's where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, and the storms are raging. The seas are just chaos, and the disciples are freaking out. They think they're about to die, and Jesus is over here sound asleep, like nothing is happening. So the disciples go over to Jesus. They wake him up in terror and fear, thinking we're about to die. Jesus, please wake up. What are you thinking? And he wakes up. And how I read this story is that it's kind of nonchalant. It's just, okay, okay, the storms are raging. You know what? Storms calm down. And he speaks to the storms and they stop. Well, we fast forward through the gospels to another story where Jesus and his disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the moment right before Jesus is going to die on the cross for all of the sins of the universe. And he's in this garden and he's, he says, I need you to stay awake right now. Let's pray. I need you to stay awake and pray. And the disciples could not stay awake. They would go and they would sleep. And Jesus urged them, this is the time. You have to be awake during this time. And they were sleeping. You know what my, my, my prayer is? God, let me be awake to what you're awake to, and let me be able to sleep to what you're sleeping to. You know, he's sleeping to a lot of things this morning. Usually God is sleeping to the things that we have the most fear about and the most anxiety about, and it's usually hypothetical situations that haven't happened yet, right? That's usually what gets us the most and grips our heart with fear the most are those things that haven't happened that we worry about, and Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be resting to those things because I've got you in my hands, 
But on the other side of it, he's awake to a lot of things too. And that's what I want to concentrate on this morning. I want to concentrate on the things that he is awake to and for us to just really open up our hearts to say, God, I want to be on your same page. I want to be awoken to the things that you are awake to. He's awake to what you guys are doing with these these girls and these women who are in modern day slavery. He is awake to seeing them rescued. He's awake to the 92,000 children in Liverpool alone who are living below the poverty line. He's awake to that. He's awake to your neighbor who does not know what the hope of Jesus is. He's awake to your colleague at work who does not know how Jesus can change their life. He is awake to those things. So this morning, I want to jump into another story about a couple of guys who were up to no good and started making trouble. In the, I'm just, <laughs> I was waiting for the beatbox. I would have continued, but... It's a story about a couple of guys, Peter and John, and I really believe that this is a moment in their life where they were awakened to what Jesus was awakened to. Remember, these were two guys who followed Jesus. They followed in his footsteps, right? And in this moment where we're going to pick up in chapter three of Acts, this is when Jesus had already ascended and they were with the Holy Spirit then, right? Jesus was gone. They were given the Holy Spirit And it was their time. It was their time to be awake to what Jesus was awakened to. And so let's go ahead and jump in to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. And some translations call it Solomon's Porch. We only have three more chapters. I'm totally kidding. That was it. Let's pray. Jesus... We need you. God, I pray that you would do something special in this place this morning. God, I pray first, God, that you would just open our hearts. God, open our hearts to be able to hear from you. God, I pray it would be all about you this morning and that when people leave Jesus, they would begin to see you one step closer. God, I thank you for who you are. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, growing up, um, my mother has been just a rock in my life, like a staple. She has been just an incredible mom. She still is. Um, But my mom was like the OG of health products, original gangster of health products before it was cool, right? Way before it was cool. Like she was in ketosis and didn't even know it. She loved, nobody? Sorry, okay. She, (laughs) She loved 
health stuff. I don't know what it was. She would go through phases where she would try different exercises. She would go through different diet plans. She would feed us all kind of weird stuff. I was never sick, thank the Lord, going through life. So she knew a little bit of what she was doing. But this one time, she picked up this, uh, this workout. It's actually a breathing exercise that I, I hope has faded out from the universe. Um, it was something that was scary, to say the least. Uh, but I remember just walking in the house one time, and my mom was sitting there, and I just heard, everybody say it together, no, I'm playing. Some of you had garlic this morning, you don't need to do that. But she would do this, and I'm like, mom, you really can't do that anywhere, like not in the house, please don't do it in public, but you got to stop. Like, I'm sure there's other things that can be beneficial for your health. Anyways, she stopped, thank God. Well, she didn't do it again. Um, and I had a friend over a couple of weeks later. And my friend spent the night. Uh, and the next morning, I was woken up by something very frightening. My friend pushes me quickly. Kevin, wake up, wake up, wake up. Dude, there's a noise coming from downstairs. I have no earthly idea what it is, but it sounds like a cat attacking a wild animal. You got to wake up. Like, I don't know what it is. And my heart just drops. I'm going, no. Oh, Jesus, please don't let it be her. And I faintly hear, And so I kind of panic, and I'm like, man, we, so we've been having trouble with, like, the water heater here lately, and it's making this weird noise, and I, I don't know what that is. And he's like, dude, we got to check it out. I'm like, no, we do not. We are not. We could get attacked. We don't know what it is. We need to just keep it out there. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but this noise woke me up. When you're awakened to things... I believe that you feel a complete sense of reality in every way, right? When you wake up, your senses are there. You are there. You're fully present in every single way. I love how Peter and John in this story were fully present. It says in this story, I just want to go through it really quick, that the beggar was sitting at a gate called Beautiful and that Peter and John at three in the afternoon had gone to pray. Peter and John would follow Jewish customs, and so they would go to the temple three times a day to pray, and they had done this for a long time. And so in my mind, if this man had been sitting here for so long, and Peter and John had been going to pray for so long, they would have probably recognized this man before. They would have probably looked at this man before, but something changed this day. Something changed... I believe that they actually were able to see him that day. See, I think there's a big difference between looking and between seeing. Someone on the TV you feel like can be looking directly at you, but they don't see you. When you see someone, there's a longing to know them. When you see someone, there's a longing to get into their world. And I feel like Peter and John this day, something changed within them to where they saw this man. When we're awakened to Jesus, we're able to see the need. We're able to see the need within people. That's exactly what Jesus went throughout life training Peter and John to do. And so many times they passed this man, but it was like this day something changed 
and they were able to see him in this moment. There's something powerful that happens when you see people. The greatest human desire within every single one of our souls is to be loved. But before we're loved, it takes being seen. And I think that's what happened this day. You know, I was reading a book on a plane. It's a book called Compassion by a guy named Henry Nouwen. And it's one of the most, um, it's been one of the most impactful books that I've ever read in my life. And I was on a plane and I'm reading this book, Compassion, and I'm reading about the word compassion means co-suffering. It's suffering with someone together. It's, it's taking your home, for instance, and moving in to where they are in their place and saying, man, I want to do life with you. I want to live this out with you. And I began thinking in my mind, how do I just take a step into feeling what other people feel. Because sometimes the, the most we can do in the beginning is just take a step, right? It's just take one step forward and say, how can we feel what other people feel? And then Milwaukee, the place we were living at the time, there was an incredibly big problem with homelessness. And so I caught up a friend and I'm like, dude, what if we were homeless for a night just to see how it felt? Just to, again, and I know that that's, that's a broad statement to see how it feels because we wouldn't be able to see how it feels, but we wanted to just take a step into that. And so we straight up put on just some, some clothes, some ratty clothes. We kind of let our scruff grow out just a little bit. And we went downtown and we laid on the streets for a night. And I'll never forget just getting a glimpse at how people feel that are looked over that are just looked past instead of seen. I didn't have one, I had one person that stopped. Everyone else would ignore and just keep going by. No one else would stop, but this one person stopped and just said, hey, I just wanted to check on you guys. Are you doing okay? Is everything all right? And that one person stopping and looking into our eyes meant the world. I, was, I felt seen. And I go, this is just one night of a night that people have to live their life, no matter what life circumstances has brought to them to where they are now homeless. But constantly people are just passing by without even looking at them, without seeing them. And it was after that that I said, I don't want to ever pass by someone because I'm so guilty of that, of just passing by people that may be hurting, that we just create a normalcy in our mind, that that's just kind of how it is, that's where it's at. But you never know what one single word of an encouragement would do, or one single, man, are you doing okay? Hey, are you okay today? Are you all right? That may completely change someone's life just from being seen. You know what I love about Peter and John is they didn't stop at seeing this man, but they served him as well. When we're awake to Jesus, we have a desire to serve the forgotten. We have a desire to say, God, I want to have my eyes open. I want to be awake to the people that you're awake to in my life. What am I missing? I want to be able to serve people like you serve people, Jesus. Peter and John, they didn't just stop and see this man but they took the time to serve him. And I love what happens here. Peter tells the beggar, hey, look at me. And the beggar does what any beggar would do. He asks for money. And Peter says, hey, 
I don't have any money. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And it says in the verse that he took him by the right hand, which in that time and place would have been an incredibly bad thing to do as a good Jewish person. Because this would say that you're, you're an, on an equal playing field. Giving a right hand would mean that, hey, we're the same. But how many of you guys know that it is the same level at the foot of the cross? How many of you know that you're a part of a church that is about everyone and you are well, you're ready to say welcome home to anybody who comes along? That's what Jesus is awake to. And in this moment, they didn't just see him, but they served him. And I love in the original Greek of the New Testament, it doesn't just mean what I have, I give to you. It means who I am, I give to you. So Peter in that moment wasn't just concerned about what he had or what he didn't have. He said, it's who I am that I give to you. It's who is within me that I give to you. It's this man that I walked with for three years that I saw ministry with. It's this man that was perfect, the son of God, who I have within me. Jesus said, we will do even greater things than he did on this earth. It's who we are. It's an identity thing. Think about that. Think about the study of the World Bank. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, sometimes within many of us who may be middle or upper class as well, sometimes feel those same mental blocks. We feel those same psychological terms that, man, I feel hopeless. I feel so incredibly inadequate at times. And sometimes we put that on the things that we don't have in life. But God is saying it is about who you are. It's about who he has equipped you with, not what he's equipped you with. The Holy Spirit is within each and every follower of Christ to be fully equipped to go into all the world around the corner and around the, the world to be able to share the good news of Christ. That's what he has equipped us with. So they were able to not just see the need, but to serve the forgotten. And I just... I really feel like this morning, God just gave me something very specific. And I don't know who it's for, but I feel like it's for someone here that God wanted me to stop the service and just say that he sees you this morning. That he sees you this morning. I don't know if you've been coming here eight years or this is your first day in this house. But first of all, you know that you're welcome here. But second of all, God wanted me to stop everything and just say that he sees you this morning and that he loves you. And just like what Pastor Luke spoke about with the prodigal son, the father has his arms open wide saying, welcome home. Like, I love you. I know what you've been going through. There's even been thoughts of suicide that he is saying, hey, not this life, not this beautiful life. God is crazy about you, and he wanted me to just take a time out to tell you that, that you are seen this morning by the creator of the universe. God loves you so much. So Peter and John took the time to serve this man, and it was just, it was a simple step, right? It wasn't this whole process. It was just, hey, who I am, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What would that look like? If we were just to say, God, awaken me in my everyday life. It was three in the afternoon on a normal day. 
I love that. It wasn't this special day that, man, I'm going to really be attentive to what's happening today. It was just a normal day that they said, man, I walk with Christ within me, the hope of glory. I am walking with all of Jesus within me. And something changed because they were awake in that moment. I remember we were in a, uh, Noel and I had a school of ministry in Wisconsin. And we were watching this video one day that was about people just being bold in their faith. And as we were watching this video with the students, at some point I'm like, what are we doing watching this video? Like, let's go out, let's go out. And so we stopped this video and we went to a local grocery store and they're all freaking out. Like, what is happening right now? What are we gonna have to do? I said, look, here's, here's the thing. And I wanna tell you guys this because sometimes it gets put in this. I don't think Peter and John were weird people. I really don't. I don't think they did anything weird. I think that they made God a part of their normal life, right? I don't think that they had to stop and say, hallelujah, praise be the name of the Lord. Everyone stop what you're doing. I'm going to pray for this. I think they just said, hey, I see you right where you are. And man, we have Christ within us. Can we pray with you? And boom, he's healed. So what we did is we went to this store and one of our students, it wasn't any of us, one of our students said, man, I feel like we should talk to this guy over here. And we went and we talked to him and come to find out this guy was just completely broken. Um, He had no one. uh, And we were able to see him that day. And then we just said a simple prayer for him. And then afterwards, you know what we did that I think is the, one of the single most powerful things that you can do that's so simple, we invited him to church. We say, come to a place where you're going to be welcomed. Come to a place where arms are going to be open wide and they're going to say, welcome home, because we're about everyone. And this guy, crazy enough, showed up to church. And we were kind of blown away, to be honest with you. Like, oh my goodness, he came. Matt, <laughs> we called him Batman. He had all of this Batman gear on. We're like, Batman, you're here? <laughs> came jumping in. Anyways, Batman showed up. And what's crazy is this was like six years ago. Noel and I were at home for a service at our church at Life Church a year ago. <laughs> and Batman is on the front row with his arms lifted high, praising the Lord. And I think about that moment of just saying, man, it was just one step. That's all it was. It was just one step of saying, hey, I've got all of Christ within me, the hope of glory. And it's for you too. This is a universal thing. It's not just for one group of people. It is for the entire world. But it starts with taking a step with our neighbors. It starts with a coworker. It starts with someone just saying, man, I realize that this is sometimes scary to do. I realize that my normalcy is to just continue to pass by. I realize that I have a schedule, but there's times when you're awakened to what Jesus is awakened to that you can stop and see the need and serve the forgotten. And the beauty of this story is that Peter and John didn't stop there. Because when you're awake to what Jesus is awake to, you're able to share his hope. You're able to share the hope of Jesus because here's the thing, there's so many great places out there that will give you an opportunity to see people and serve people. But if we don't have Jesus with that, if we don't attach 
the one who has changed our world and our life to that. What does, what does it mean? What good does it do unless we share this hope that is within us? Peter and John, as they lifted this, this beggar up, they took him, first of all, making a statement to everyone, saying that we're about everyone. They grabbed his hand and they began walking with him. And they took his hand and this man is praising God and everyone in the entire city is going, what just happened? And Peter had a decision to make in this moment. Peter had a decision to where he could either take this into the four walls of the church and give a testimony about what happened, or he could go to this little place called Solomon's Porch. Shout out to Solomon. He could go to a place called Solomon's Porch. Solomon's Porch was a place where the community gathered. It's a place where the church would be. It's a place where the community would be. It's a place where commerce was taking place. It was a place where the sinners and the saints would have brushed shoulders and walked past each other. And Peter said, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. That's where I want to show that this man once was lame from birth, but now he walks because of who Jesus is. And it says that thousands were added to the church that day. Liverpool One Church. All I'm saying is this, get ready. Get ready. Every time I walk into this place, there is a beautiful heaviness of the presence of God that is infiltrating this city, and it's not going to stop. This place is already getting a bit too small, but it's going to happen quicker than you think. Because there are people that need him. There are people that need to be welcomed home and say, man, you have been a part of this family. You just didn't know it yet. The Father's arms are open wide for you to come. And that's what Peter and John did. They took this man and they showed the whole place that this is what it's all about. As we think about doing an event in October as a church, that's just a step, right? That's just a step. So we begin thinking about, man, what if I were to say a prayer before work, God, awaken me to the things that I may be missing. Man, open my eyes. Maybe there is someone that I've passed every single day and I've just kind of looked at, but I've never taken the time to see them. Man, what does that look like for you this morning? I think that all of us could say, man, let's take a step. You may be here this morning and it may be your first time or you've only been here a couple of times and you're just saying, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I think that it's a, a bit strange. I, I'm trying to figure out if this is real or if this is, I'm here to tell you this morning that it is incredibly real. I'm someone that doesn't go to this church every single weekend, but I come in and I sense the presence of God that these people are genuine and they love Jesus and they love because God first loved them. And they're saying, welcome home. This is a house that you can come to. And what I would encourage you with is just to say, man, take a step towards Jesus this morning. If you've been on the, just on the edge of like, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me or not. Jesus has been through it. Some of you come in and you've been through it. Jesus has been through it too. 
And he is our Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to lead you and guide you. And a church family is the way for that to take place. So if you're new this morning, I just want to say, man, this is a place you can call home. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I, I know that I've, I've passed people. I know that there's steps that I could take, but man, for some reason, I just haven't. I want to tell you, first of all, it's okay. Don't feel shame in that. But take a step. Say, man, what, what can I do? Who can I open my eyes to? Who can I see? Who can I serve? And who can I share with? Because there is a hope within every single one of us that can and will change the city. There's a hope for Liverpool and it rests in these seats because Christ is within you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Oh.